Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Contrary to popular opinion, there's such a thing as voter fraud. And, and, I, and I know what you're saying. You're saying, but that's not possible. It's not possible to have voter fraud. Anybody who would claim voter fraud is real. You're a phony. Hey, this guy's a great big phony. I, I get it. You've been told that anybody who says such a thing is is lying, unless her name is Stacey Abrams. Then again, if you want to hear uh, Stacey Abrams just get into some world-class lying. I mean, she's just a... She is just absolutely spectacular. We have to remember what we face if we want to continue to hold on the progress we've had. But we can't ignore the fact that people's lives are harder. And this is not because of the president. It is because of global issues and international challenges and market conditions and a whole host of things that don't matter to you when you're sitting at your kitchen table. You see, things are harder because of everybody else and not Joe Biden. That's what she told Jen Psaki. Then again, you're talking to Jen Psaki. Who in the world cares what Stacey Abrams has to say? A two-time loser for governor who wouldn't even admit she lost the first time. Jen Psaki might be the closest we have come to Tokyo Rose in a generation. Holy cow. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. I don't know. Will I get emails for that reference? How dare I know history? 833-468-8669. A got Tony. The story out of um, Connecticut. A judge overturning a mayoral election due to evidence of mail ballot fraud. Evidence. May may I say. Evidence that is so easy to find. I think they aired it on CNN. The judge, Superior Court Judge William Clark, ordered the results of the recent mayoral primary election in Bridgeport to be overturned and a new election held. Because there's video of a city employee actually stuffing the ballot box. You can see her walking across a plaza. She's got a bag, and she's walking, and then, okay, opens up the place where you put some ballots, and, you know, you can, boom, put in multiple absentee ballots into the ballot box where people can drop them off, and then she just walked off like nothing happened. Now, voter fraud in the case of someone showing up and saying, well, no, I'm Tony Katzen, and here's my, here, here, I'm here to vote, that is super rare. That is rare stuff. But if you allow mail-in voting, if you allow mass absentee voting, you absolutely increase the opportunities for fraud. And anyone who says otherwise is, of course, lying. 
You'll note I didn't say that you increase fraud. You increase the opportunity for fraud. Anytime you have mass amounts of mail-in voting, which, of course, the left demanded because COVID, 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 it was so cheating had the opportunity to occur. Anybody who actually cared about the vote would never have allowed such a thing. We know this as rational people. Now we've seen it. Why would I ever believe that this case in Bridgeport, Connecticut, which uh, we're going to say is not a conservative town, why would I think this is the only case in America? Because uh, I, I, I don't believe it's the only case in America. I don't come close, and I don't think you do either. This story, which uh, you can find over at The Federalist, uh, Mark Hemingway, uh, has got the, um, the the reporting over here. It's kind of incredible that um, you had uh, an employee named Wanda Geter Pataki um, stuffing these these uh, ballot boxes, and then there's another woman. Um, who, who may have also been involved in dropping these ballots into these ballot boxes. So two people, um, three, would that be a, uh, would be, that be a conspiracy? I'm not sure how that, that works. What I do know is uh, if you want the vote to be secure, you have to show an ID and vote in person. And I have a series of, of theories of how we can do this. But this story... This is for the people who tell you that voter fraud never happens and mail-in voting's okay. Voter fraud does happen, and mail-in voting leads to opportunities for more fraud. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. First look at the jobs numbers would make you think that, oh my gosh, the high interest rates are working. You take a look at the jobs numbers and you realize that 150,000 jobs were created, even though the Dow Jones estimate was 170,000. Maybe that's evidence of the cooling, which is exactly what the Fed has been trying to do for a year now. And maybe now they're getting a result. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Or does it show that there are less jobs to fill because less people are hiring because more people are getting ready for a very ugly 2024, including groups like Cummins in Indiana, which are now doing voluntary separations? You've already seen people engage the layoffs. And this, from CNBC, uh, Rick Santilli, uh, just a few moments ago. And finally, the underemployment rate, which is 7.2, it continues to move up. Maybe I saved the best for last. Labor force participation, 62.7. It's going in the wrong direction. Our last look was 62.8. That was the best since February of 2020. 
So what to take of the numbers? Dr. Matt Will joins us, economist at the University of Indianapolis, D-R-M-A-T-T-W-I-L-L. Find him on uh, the uh, X uh, Twitter right there. Uh, 150,000 jobs. Is this the economy cooling or is this a sign of something else? It's both. I think your explanation was perfect. Um, It is both a sign of cooling It is also a sign of a possible recession coming, and we see that through layoffs, like you mentioned, at Cummins. It's not layoffs. I mean, it's voluntary separation. It's just a more more compassionate way to do it. But that is exactly what's happening here, and we want to keep one thing in mind. This is a lagging indicator. Unemployment report from the government is, is slow to come out. And so this is more or less what we is happening in the economy uh, three to six months ago. And so we saw this. You and I have been talking about the slowing of the economy. The PMI report yesterday also showed the 12th month in a row of contraction. So, no, this is, this is expected, but it's, let's be careful. It's not just a head fake, and it's, it's consistent with what we see next month. So when I looked at the 150,000, I looked at it as, okay, I know how the White House is going to spin this. I know how this could be spin, spun. And certainly you saw Wall Street jump all over that. The Dow was over 300 points. It's now at uh, 272. But the other side of this coin, as Telly is pointing out, is that this is also a look at exactly what's happening in the job market. I mentioned Cummins, a major company in Indiana. We've talked layoffs before. 2024, how many companies do you know of, work with, have been have been uh, apprised of their uh, push to scale down going into the new year? Well, okay, you're asking me for a number. I don't, I don't know the number, but I can tell you every major employer in the city that I'm aware of is pulling back. I, I, you know, so I'll throw them under the bus a little bit. But Roche, you know, they had a hiring freeze. They, they hire my students. They've had offers out they've frozen or withdrawn some of those offers because of the impending economic situation. Cummins is doing it. We've seen Lilly do similar hiring uh, stalls. Uh, This is not news. This is exactly what's happening to the big employers across the board. They are preparing for a possible recession. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. When I take a look at the, the jobs uh, that were filled in the 150,000. Uh, this is, for, of course, for the month of October. It was healthcare leading uh, the way with 58,000 jobs. That uh, is, is, I looked at that and I said, I would have expected retail to do a good amount of of of, of the growing. Is is there something that happens in the month of October that makes healthcare hiring? Um, necessary is there some level of changeover budgeting etc or is hey something has to lead some sector has to lead and this time it's healthcare. it's just coincidental the real the real issue if you look into the report is the expansion of government hiring you know retail should be expanding but they're not the, the re- inventories are supposed to be growing but they're not back orders of 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 goods for christmas are supposed to be expanding they're not this is re- consistent with what you know, we see in the economy less hiring of retail, more hiring of healthcare, more hiring of government. Yeah, well, looking at the numbers, just to, just for this 
going over them. Government increased by fifty one thousand, but here's the uh, the number right to 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 further create impact there is that employment and manufacturing, which you talk about often when we talk about uh, what we have on the on the in the warehouse shelves and inventory, decreased by thirty five thousand reflecting a decline in thirty three thousand motor vehicles and parts now is that all strike related no 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 there's strike impacted there but no manufacturing domestic auto manufacturing is not nearly as relevant as it was 30 years ago yes there is an impact on those numbers but that is not the major impact there no it is it is across the board we've seen it for 12 months declining now long before the strike started this decline in manufacturing has the recent run-up of of interest rates further uh, created issue here, or is there a moment that it doesn't matter if the interest rate is five percent, eight percent, or forty-two percent? There's just not a buyer. No, it, it absolutely is impacted by the interest rates. It's a simple math. We teach this in finance. The present value formula is cash flow divided by interest rates. When interest rates go up, your value goes down. It's that simple. And in fact, the market bumped this morning. I don't know if we want to talk about it, Tony, but the market went up a bit because interest rates dropped, because of this maybe inflation is under control as a result of this uh, unemployment number. So there's a, a little quick bump in the market because rates dropped, the 10-year dropped. Um, so actually, there, there's a short-term gain to the long-term pain, if, if you will. Right. So what, what we, we watched this uh, over the last two days where the 10 year uh, Treasury, the, that benchmark, has dropped a half a percent. It was at over five percent. We now see it down uh, to I think well, at the last look was, was four point six. I actually have it in front of me. A four point five one eight is where it's at right now so when you talk about a high of 5.03 just last week that is a drop now we haven't seen the drop yet in the 30-year fixed which is what the 10-year the 10-year the 30-year fix is based on the 10-year the spread had been a little bit over 300 basis points or three percent uh that's what got you to eight percent mortgage rates but we're now seeing that spread the basis points at last check we were at like 283 uh is is there something about these numbers that would make sense to a reduction in the spread between the 10-year treasury and the 30-year fixed? I don't want to burst your bubble, but I think it's just anomalistic. I don't think there's any fancy anything going on. It's just a normal fluctuation. You see that all the time. The decrease in the 10-year is something to be explained, and that has to do with the unemployment report that came out today. So tell me how those two things correlate. Because what the market heard you know, kind of as the market reading the tea leaves, the market heard with this unemployment report, oh, inflation is under control. I see the economy is slowing down. Ah, we're not going to be hiring as many people and having as much high wages. So then they said, okay, if inflation's under control, we can decrease the 10-year rate. And that was the reaction, and that caused the market to go up. It was simple math. As we head into a a holiday season, and you have been warning on, on this show that the inventories are not there. No one is, no one is expecting a big holiday season. What, what, I'm, I'm a little bit trying to understand if indicator X creates reaction Y. What is it that the markets would look for uh, in holiday sales reporting that would make them either celebrate 
or panic? Use of credit cards, use of savings. What, in fact, the reason the market is a little bit panicked about Christmas is because we've seen the savings rate in the GDP report last week. The savings in the country went from $1.07 trillion down to about $750 billion. The United States citizen consumed 25% of their savings last quarter. That is alarming, and credit card defaults went up to over 7%, which is a, a, a recent high. So those are concerns that the market sees, which is why this PMI and this inventories have been shrinking, because they just don't see the consumer doing their part to boost the economy this holiday season. But we have discussed the fact that the reason we still see every restaurant full, I was driving uh, last night uh, to higher-end places. There was not an empty parking spot. You have made the argument that people still have savings that they're spending, and so therefore not everybody has felt the full effect. Are you saying that that's now over? No, I'm not saying it's over. I'm saying they're still spending it. I don't understand why they are. If If you ask me the fact, the fact is people are spending their savings. If you ask me the fact, the fact is people are putting it on their credit card. I just can't explain why they're doing it. It makes no sense to me, but they are. I, I am uh, equally uh, as as lost to the idea of, of the spending. I don't. I, I I sometimes am stunned by uh, by it. I ask, what do these people do? What do they know uh, that that I don't? Uh, but they are they are still uh, spending. Uh, so we we know that we should be taking a look at where debt is. We know that the credit card debt is at a high. Uh, is there anything you're seeing on the horizon that has you concerned or hopeful? concerned or hopeful you're asking me for downside or upside um yeah i'm gonna say the upside is definitely this whole ai and the innovation that's occurring i continue to say capitalism is an amazing engine and every day i read the newspaper and see about great things being done by private companies i just get excited about that and i am very optimistic that the private economy and private businesses well you know like the things that you're doing tony those things are going to boost the economy and we should be very happy about that Innovation is a good thing. Capitalism is working. And I think the Republicans may have gotten their act together on controlling spending, which is also going to be an optimistic boost to the economy. Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. I appreciate you taking the time. You can find him on uh, the Twitter X, D-R-M-A-T-T-W-I-L-L, Dr. Matt Will on uh, the Twitter. I will tell you, when I see the places full, I... Blows my mind, blows my mind, and I and it, I, I do think that it goes back to this idea of, of debt. I can drive. My wife and I are in the car. We're we're driving. We make a living, but we see what's in people's garages, and we hear stories of this and that, pictures of vacation, and we ask ourselves, how is it possible? How? Is it possible? The only answer we come to time and again and again and again is we clearly do not understand the level of debt. Because what else could explain it? They've got an OnlyFans page. They're doing some dealing out the back patio. What else could possibly explain it? Oh. It, it, it boggles the mind. 
But as we, we, we saw from these numbers, what looks good at the first doesn't necessarily mean good. The new Beatles song is out. That's right. New Beatles song. We'll decide if it's good. We will make the call right here that's coming up. This is Tony Katz. Today, find everything at TonyKatz.com. Clarity, as I finish up an email to somebody, I will not apologize at all for my conversations regarding Israel and Hamas, but I have, as I said, apologized for the fact that there's just so much to cover. It it, it stinks. I hear you. I get it. But my gosh. Being exposing the bigotry, exposing the hate of the political left, exposing the despicable nature and the cowardice of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, exposing uh, the, 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 the cultural elite, exposing how horrific the education system is, higher education in the United States, never mind secondary education. Nope, not apologizing. Not doing it. No. But it's not the only subject. It isn't. And that's why we talk the economy and a series of other things. This is the Beatles. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833-468-8669. 833-GOT-TONY. I figure with all the madness, not a bad moment for a respite. The song is called Now and Then, and it's actually a new release from the Beatles. And what happened was, in in a documentary that was made by Peter Jackson, who did Lord of the Rings, uh, they came, it was a documentary about the Beatles. They came across, you know, as there's recordings and this and that. It was a recording of John Lennon, I think in 1970, doing this song, and he was doing it to piano. So that's what that was the recording. But the technology is so advanced that with AI... They were able to separate the tracks, which is, uh, it's so weird to fathom. Producer Jason, you do a lot of music stuff. You play uh, local local bars and, 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 and a local scene. Um, you know that if, if, if you're recording something, you record multiple tracks, the vocal in one, a guitar in another, bass in another, maybe a, a, a secondary guitar, a rhythm guitar in another. You're recording in these separate tracks so you can then move things and maneuver things in, in, in the mix as you see fit, right? That's, that's the way it's done. Absolutely. Right? So if you've got the vocal and, and, the, and the piano in the, in the same track, you're, you're, you're kind of stuck. There's very little you could do with a vocal track that's got piano in it because you got the piano underneath and it's going to mess everything up. Yeah, modern technology is amazing, Tony. So they were able to take this you, through AI and separate these things out. So they've got John Lennon's voice. And then they found some George Harrison vocals and some George Harrison guitar. And they started putting it together and then they brought in Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr to fill it in, to create the rest. 
Well, I shouldn't say they. I mean, they're, they're the Beatles. They created the rest. They filled in the rest. And they created a new song. They they created it. And and I, you know, one one could argue that the lyrics for now and then aren't uh, 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 up to... Uh, up to par you know they're 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 not eleanor rigby okay not everything is eleanor rigby but this is an unbelievable bit of technological success here i think it's a pretty cool song Uh, just uh let's take a minute it's now and then from the beatles like a Beatles song because it is I don't know I heard it this morning for the first time I'm like that's nuts that is just nutty and then you know they're going to win like they're going to win a Grammy of course they are they're going to win a Grammy for this thing it's it's super groovy Uh, not winning any awards in my view is Anthony Blinken who is in Israel and stated the following. Finally, and importantly, even as we work toward progress uh, on each of these urgent needs, we're focused on setting the conditions for a durable and sustainable peace and security. The United States continues to believe that the best viable path, indeed the only path, is through a two-state solution. That's the only guarantor of a secure Jewish and democratic Israel. The only guarantor of Palestinians realizing their legitimate right to live in a state of their own, enjoying equal measures of security, freedom, opportunity, and dignity. The only way to end a cycle of violence once and for all. And it's precisely now, in the darkest moments, that we have to fight hardest to preserve a path of stability, of security, of opportunity, of integration, of prosperity, and of peace. 
the idea that the two-state solution is going to do this is predicated on the idea that both sides want the same things. But Hamas has shown you that they don't want the same things. So what value is the two-state solution? Now, maybe what Anthony Blinken is saying is that you can have a two-state solution, but with no Hamas. Listen. Here's what, what we know and I think is uh, agreed among uh, everyone. There cannot and must not be a return to the pre-October 7th status quo. That's unacceptable. It's not tolerable uh, for Israel. It shouldn't be acceptable or tolerable by, uh, by anyone else. Uh, and that means that the idea of uh, Hamas remaining responsible for governance, such as it was, uh, and, um, and security and posing an ongoing and enduring threat to, uh, to Israel and its citizens uh, is unacceptable. So that's one thing we know. So two-state solution, but no Hamas. How are you going to do that? How does that happen? The question, Secretary Blinken, is how do you plan on getting rid of Hamas? And wouldn't that plan involve going into Gaza and quite literally killing the Hamas leadership and supporters till there's nobody left and then ensuring that Iran cannot fund others to engage in terrorism? And if that's the case, why is your boss calling for humanitarian pauses, which is the same thing as a ceasefire, which is a gift to Hamas and puts more Israelis in danger? Never mind the people of Gaza themselves. What am I? What am I missing here? I don't think I'm missing anything here. I think I have a lot of things being said that no one can actually believe from this administration. It would be like believing Hakeem Jeffries in why Democrats are calling for a ceasefire. What's your view on what seems like some growing disagreement among Democrats about sort of some of the tactical ways Israel is handling this war, whether it's people calling for a ceasefire or a humanitarian pause. There seems to be a lot more criticism coming from Democrats about sort of the nuts and bolts of what, how Israel is handling this every day. What's your view on that? I wouldn't say it's criticism. I'd say so there are diff- definitely different, different observations or perspectives about the best way forward, but all of it coming from, as far as I can tell, a place uh, of care and concern related to Israel's safety and its well-being. Everybody seems to recognize that Israel necessarily has to decisively defeat Hamas. No, Rashida Tlaib doesn't believe this. Ilhan Omar doesn't believe this. Andre Carson doesn't believe this. Jamal Bowman doesn't believe this. Ayanna Presley doesn't believe this. Ocasio-Cortez doesn't believe this. The list goes on and on. But did you just say that people are calling for a ceasefire because they're worried about Israel's safety? No, you did not just say that with a straight face. No, you didn't. Hakeem, Hakeem, Hakeem. There is no way you believe that. Oh. Oh. 
That is so... That is so shameful that you could that you could even begin to put that out there. I don't even know what to say. I have no idea. And then if you're worried about Israel's safety, why in the world are you backing a veto threat from Joe Biden? On the $14.3 billion aid package the House just voted to make happen. Our objective from the very beginning was to back President Biden, who made clear that he would veto the irresponsible bill put forward by House Republicans. We made it clear that that veto would be sustained not just marginally, but decisively, if it ever made it back to the House, which it will not. Why is it a problematic bill? Because they took the money out of funding the IRS. They took the $14.3 billion out of that and are giving to Israel instead of utilizing it to go after people who've got a side hustle. Oh, but the, but the money for the IRS is to go after the billionaire. Sure it is. We believe you. Oh, good Lord. You're going to support a veto uh, for money to support Israel while claiming that you support Israel. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. I can't wait to see how this works with their constituents, Hakeem Jeffries. Can't wait to see it. Meanwhile, Sam Bankman Freed's going to jail. It's not soon enough. And it won't be long enough. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. According to Speaker Mike Johnson, a decision on impeachment could be coming, and I'm quoting here, very soon. Why? What? Why, why does there need to be a decision very soon on impeachment? Woe up, people. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Just getting this in from Mike Tobin over at Fox News. There was an ambulance, ambulance that was hit in front of a hospital. So people are talking about it. According to Tobin... Uh, the ambulance had Hamas fighters in it, and they're using the ambulances as mobile units. They use children as human shields. They do their uh, fighting from hospitals and schools, and now uh, they use their ambulances as a way of moving Hamas fighters around. No, no, no. Good thing so many colleges are supporting these people. I don't think you have to move quickly on on impeachment. I don't think a decision has to come soon. Whoa up. Keep your powder dry, kitten. It's not that I oppose impeachment of Joe Biden, not by any stretch of the imagination. It's just the decision comes when the decision comes. Not through a forced hand. You got to have the story. I think the release of information regarding the duplicitousness of the Bidens is the stuff that's damaging. What is, what is your desire? Revenge or victory? 
Tell the story and let people decide for themselves. Although you may find things that are indeed impeachment worthy. It's not that I'm opposed to impeachment. I just don't want to rush. I want to do it right. And Sam Bankman-Fried is going to go to jail. The cryptocurrency crook, FTX was the name of the company, stealing billions of dollars from customers, putting it into risky investments in his own companies, claiming, I didn't know, I wasn't planning to do that. Oopsie, I didn't know I was $10 billion in debt. You didn't know you were $10 billion in debt. Um, uh, that's just, that's just not possible at all, nor in any way. It's not possible. You didn't know you were 10, you didn't know you were $10 billion in debt. That's, I'm sorry, that's just not possible. He doesn't get sentenced until the end of March, March 28th. I don't know why that is. I don't know why it takes so long. And as reported by the Associated Press, he's likely to face far less than the maximum. The maximum, by the way, is 110 years in prison. And I'm asking, why only 110 years? Ruined people. Well, Tony, they invested in crypto. He stole he lied. He tried to escape to the Bahamas. And he's got really weird taste in women. All of those reasons. Why is he not doing 110 years in prison? whole thing doesn't make any sense. I don't get that. I want to see the dude go to jail. I want to see him go to jail today. Tommy Tuberville is the senator from Alabama. And he is holding firm on these military appointments. I will get into why. And uh, so, uh, so no weed. This is Tony Katz today.